the following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Your discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional, Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. You know, Fridays are good, but they are even better because Marcy Wheeler is here. Marcy Wheeler, of course, from EmptyWheel.net, where you'll read news that you really don't get in many other places. Um, So uh, we missed last week because it was Thanksgiving. How was your turkey? My turkey was quite good. Uh, I had to drive uh, basically to Galway to get it, but it was really yummy. I made some really good mole yesterday. Mole? That, that that's like southwestern that's what i'd expect to get here in arizona i know i had to order special to get uh, like i used basically all the chilies that i ordered i thought well maybe they'll last a couple months no they're all gone <laughs> so um that like tomatillos are hard to find here they're one of the hardest ingredients so it, that's the kind of cooking i don't do i i'm not a spicy food person for whatever reason Anyway, uh, we've got more interesting things to talk about than cooking, though. One day we, we could do a cooking show. Um, today, well, you know, we tape this in the morning because Marcy is in Ireland and I'm in Arizona and there's a time difference. And so we tape in the morning. And, um, well, already this morning, it's only uh, just a minute after 10 o'clock here. But George Santos is now an ex-congressman. He's been expelled. Yeah, there was, it almost at the last minute, leadership came out in support of him. Uh, And so, you know, people like the beat reporters were like, ah, you know, it looks like momentum just swung to him. Um, And so it looked like he might have stayed. And then Max Miller, who is an interesting person, Max Miller worked for Trump as an advanced guy. He had a, he had a kind of key role in January 6th. Uh, he's now a congressperson from Illinois or Indiana or someplace, someplace. And he um, he wrote a letter yesterday saying that he had been victimized. He and his Ohio. Mom- it was Ohio, right? Is he the guy who came out at the end and sort of got into it yesterday with Santos about um, Santos said he scammed him or something or he was a wife yeah. beater? Yeah, he's he's from Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he basically said, I'm one of the people that um, that Santos victimized. So I wanted, like me and my mom had a certain amount of money uh, over the limit, over the campaign limit, uh, uh, charged to our credit cards. And so, you know, normally I would wait, but because I was victimized by him and I've had to spend tens of thousands of dollars to clear up my own uh, bank, you know, my own records, he voted. And and that may have that may have changed the um the the momentum back but in any case it was i want to say 111 people voted to keep them two of them democrats and uh 114 but yeah okay yep. so and the number the number that he needed was about 140 something 140. right it was 311 to 114 was the final vote uh, 112 republicans voted nay voted to keep him along with two democrats and and the two democrats i always look to see who they are and they're two that i don't know williams of georgia and scott of virginia yeah i i um the more interesting one is one of the people who voted present is jonathan jackson i just got this wrong on twitter and i corrected it right before Ah. i jumped on but jonathan jackson is Jesse Jr.'s brother and Jesse, Reverend Jesse's son. And Jesse Jr., of course, was prosecuted as a con- congressperson for um, for corruption. So, oh, right. Um, so that that I thought was an interesting vote. One other interesting vote is that Kevin McCarthy, who was another victim of Santos, because Didn't. Santos no, did not vote, right? So Santos, vote. one of Santos's staffers, pretended to be McCarthy's chief of staff when he was raising money, big, big dollars from other people. And uh, and so I thought that was sort of cowardly not to vote at all. But he did not. So. So in in addition to Jackson, who voted present, so did Al Green of Texas. But he's he's kind of 
nutty anyway. And then yeah. in the not voting category, um, it looks like it was evenly split with McCarthy didn't vote. Um, and the other, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee, I think Sheila Jackson Lee didn't. And she's, Ale- running, she's running for mayor. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, she's running for Houston mayor right now, so she's been pretty busy. And AOC didn't vote. You know, what's interesting is um, the second, this was the third vote, I guess third time's the charm. On the second vote, a number of Democrats voted not to expel him, one of them being Jamie Raskin. And his reason was, you know, look, there's an ethics committee investigation into this guy. I am hesitant to vote to expel someone until we get the ethics committee report or until, you know, he's been convicted of a crime. Well, I guess in this case, the ethics report was damning enough for the people who were uh, saying, you know, let's get evidence of a crime or, or serious infractions before we vote to expel. And I guess the ethics report was damning enough to say, okay, that's enough. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of what, um, sorry. I'm like, I've got everything on my on my knee because that's where I live now. Um, yeah. The uh, um, Mike Johnson had said that's how he was going to approach it. Wait for the ethics committee report. The ethics committee report was was really damning and said. And the and the other thing is, the assumption was that Santos was cooperating with the ethics committee, and the ethics committee report was basically like, no, no, he lied to us. He didn't cooperate. He didn't do. Um, and and of course. Uh, this is going to make his calculus on pleading in EDNY different. I mean, because until today, the thing of value you have to trade in a plea agreement with prosecutors is you step down. And I think he, for whatever reason, and maybe things will get interesting. I mean, in the last couple of days, he's like, oh, I'm going to report all of you to ethics because I know you're dirt. Like you said, Max uh-huh. Miller. Yep. Um, and so maybe he'll go big and start calling out everybody um, for the dirt that he has, uh, which is also going on in Florida, of course. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, there is Matt Gates. And uh, Howie Klein put out an interesting tweet this morning, something like, "Okay, good. So they finally got rid of uh, George Santos. But there are other people equally as uh, I'm paraphrasing here. I hate to misquote anyone and and pointed a finger at Matt Gates. He's still there. They're still waiting on the ethics committee report from him. And, you know, there's been some chatter from when he took out McCarthy that he did so. as as a ploy to insulate himself for when his own uh, his own report comes out, because, um, you know, it's different matters. It's sleeping with underage women. Yeah. But um, but the the that that's where we're at is we're waiting for that report to come out. And honestly, you know. I can see the point f- for people saying, you know, wait, everyone's entitled to due process, although. In the Senate side, I want Menendez the heck out of there. Like mm-hmm. what, what right. Menendez is alleged to have done is such that you should remove him from office. He's a security risk while he's in office. And, you know, um, and, and you're not entitled to these offices. There was a lot of Republicans who were like, you know, we have to let the, the, the voters in the third district decide this. And it's like, yeah, right. But except. George Santos lied. You know, the 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 voters in the third district voted for him based on a pack of lies he told and based off funding that he fraudulently obtained from the NRCC, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's true, you know, the, the means the means to it. And and then the, the underlying story, of course, is if it was wrong for George Santos to be elected fraudulently, was it then wrong for Donald Trump to try and get elected fraudulently, which is my way to segue into the, I don't even know if you saw that, the D.C. District, the yes, DC Circuit ruled. I did. So let's, yes, let's talk about that because it's the latest, newest story up at emptywheel.net. DC, D.C. Circuit rules that a president's speech as candidate is not official. You mean a candidate's speech is not the same as a sitting president's speech? No, this is actually a close a close issue, is and it? as they pointed out, it's a close issue. Um, 
I think it was so one of the most interesting things about this ruling is Greg Katsas was um, one of the three judges on it and concurred in the ruling. Je- uh, Greg Katsas was in Trump's White House, was appointed by Trump. Mm. And, you know, there, like there are two positions um, the the majority decision was written by Sri Srinivasan, who is an Obama appointee. Uh, he's the chief judge. And their argument was basically speech as a candidate is not entitled to official protection. And Srinivasan's opinion makes this like engaged in this fairly long discussion saying, think about it. If you are a former president running against an incumbent, which is basically what we have here, right. the incumbent would have full immunity as president, as a candidate, if you adopt Trump's thinking and the guy running as an ex-president would not. And so that's unfair. And so he he invested a lot of time saying it would be unfair against Trump if Biden were immune and Trump were not. Uh, but I think what they were looking for was some neat category to say um, a president, you know, uh, if you if you are speaking as a candidate, then you are speaking as somebody aspiring to office if you are speaking as president you are speaking as somebody occupying office and so what's going to happen is it gets bumped back to the dc district and trump if he wants to can make an argument and his spokesperson already uh, released something you know i think suggesting that he's going to try but fail um the way katsis said is like the way katsis wants it to come back is it'll be an analysis of basically who paid for the rally, right? And we know who paid for the rally, going back to Florida. It's, uh, what's her name? Julie, Fan- Julie Fancelli. Oh, the, the Publix it. air. Yeah. Yes, the Publix, the Publix supermarket the air. Yes. Um, the, the, mm. the, you know, the, the taxpayers did not pay for the rally. The taxpayers did not release tickets for this. The taxpayers did not, org- you know, wasn't organized by White House. There were White House advanced staff enrolled, but like, you know, in the January 6th primary documents, you can see the texts where, um, uh, forgetting who it was, but you can see the text where the money gets raised, mm-hmm. where they bring in an out, you know, a guy who used to work for the White House, but no, no longer does and says, okay, you're in charge of setting this up. And, and those two issues, I think, are really going to determine that issue that he was speaking as a candidate and therefore speaking without the immunity of presidency and this ruling should apply as well so um ju- th- this gets booted back to amit mitta who uh, that's the district court there he's the guy who presided over the oath keepers case um but judge chicken in the criminal case is as we speak deciding precisely this issue is trump entitled to uh, absolute immunity criminal immunity as president and now she has guidelines now she can look at this and say um and there may be part of the indictment that gets booted like the the part attached to jeffrey clark may actually get booted um which I've always said, I think that's the closest issue. But one of the things, for example, that prosecutors said in the January 6th case is they're like, look, you know, the people that Trump conspired with, with the exception of Jeffrey Clark, were all private citizens. It wasn't like, you know, Trump was working with, um, he, he, Mark Meadows is not charged as a co-conspirator. Uh, Rudy Giuliani is, mm-hmm. uh, um, Sidney Powell is, John Eastman is so all these people and and again if you go back to the public record they all said well I was representing Donald Trump as as a candidate so right. you know that that reinforces and it. the fact, difference with Mark things- Meadows is he was still chief of staff so he was was an official in the administration right um, and and Meadows has argued I mean this also has has bearing on the Georgia case, which is having a huge hearing as we speak. And it's morning, it's morning your time. It's beginning of afternoon, East coast time in Georgia. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but you know, they're having debates there about whether electors are federally controlled or state controlled. It's actually an interesting debate and that'll affect the Georgia case. But Mark Meadows is trying to get his Georgia charges removed to the federal 
government, the federal courts, right. based on the logic that he was he was doing official duties. Um, and this will affect that as well. Uh, and it may help. Uh, you know, I think it I think Jeffrey Jeffrey Clark is the is the one Trump person that this may actually help rather than her. And the rest, based on what I know, I suspect Trump will make a kind of feeble effort to make this argument. Um, but he that the record just doesn't support him. And remind us, Jeffrey Clark was the the acting attorney general or Trump wanted to put him in as AG, right? He's the the guy arrested in his underwear or who (laughs) who whose house was searched in his underwear. Yes, um, he was the um, he was the assistant attorney general originally for environmental issues. Okay, Um, and then he got bumped over to civil issues when Trump, I, I, I think. He was moved over there to help Trump fend off his lawsuit uh, with Eugene Carroll because they needed somebody to be cl- complicit there. And then he became buddies with Scott Perry and Scott Perry hey. said, oh, you need somebody to get DOJ behind your efforts to overthrow the election. Here's your guy. And so there was this moment on January 3rd, 2021, where Trump treated him as the attorney general, but it never went through in the same way that he made Sidney Powell a special counsel, but it never went through. So, (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, And there's talk that if Trump were to get back in office, that, that he just may make Jeffrey Clark his attorney general. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he'll be disbarred by them probably, (laughs) but um, like his disbarment gets, uh, gets uh, boots up in January again. And, you know, he, he can't, just make anybody attorney general. They have to be confirmed. confirmed. Sure. Um, He could make people acting attorney general and just leave them there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, he wants to bring Jeffrey Clark back because he knows that Jeffrey Clark will do anything legal or not to help him. Right. Oh my goodness. So while the, the, the courts, the, the, the different cases against Donald Trump are making their way through the courts, there are all these challenges that, that, that appeals panels are ruling on. Um, how many of these that I, I think the majority of them have ruled against Trump, though not all, how many of those are going to make it all the way to the Supreme Court? Because I'm thinking Trump is going to use as many delaying tactics as are available to him. So this decision will boot back to the um, district and Trump can make another argument. Uh, I think that it's, it's an awkward time for Trump on the criminal case. That, that criminal challenge, he's making the same absolute immunity uh, challenge uh, in the criminal case, as I mentioned. And this is, this is awkward timing for him because, um, because probably what will happen is Chicken will ask for more briefing and say, tell me what the fundraising was. And that's the, and, and Trump will at that point have to fish or cut bait. I mean, he'll have to say, here's what the actual evidence shows. And, um, and, and DOJ should have all of that in their hands to say, you know, this was privately funded and therefore it's clearly, it's clearly a campaign issue. And, and, and that's, that may accelerate what are bound to be appeals there. Um, But that's, that is right now the biggest, danger to the March deadline, the March timing of the Trump trial right now is, is Trump can appeal absolute immunity and Trump can appeal um, double jeopardy. He's claiming that he was already prosecuted for this because he was impeached. Oh my God. For a totally different crime. <laughs> I mean, it's not, look, it's not surprising. These are the things you have to expect if you're going to try and prosecute the first president ever sure. for conduct that occurred while he was president. I mean, the, you know, these are not surprise. Like I think his arguments are far weaker than I would expect. Um, but they are not that people should not be shocked that the arguments are happening. They are completely predictable and they are to be expected. Right. And he's going to take advantage of whatever he, look, this is the guy who said, of course I, I file bankruptcy and I do whatever I, I use whatever tools are at my disposal. And he's going to do that to delay and delay and delay as long as he can. Uh, Cause it yeah. works to his yeah. advantage. Right. Yeah. Um, you have another piece up from just two days ago, Marcy, Donald Trump insists he's too special 
use the same database 1,200 other January 6th defendants have used. Um, But he's saying he's not one of them, that that they all acted on their own volition, that they weren't insurrectionists. And he, he says he's not on the same level as them. Is that part of this? I mean, I, I believe Jack Smith is saying he's will be treated exactly as any other January 6th defendant, right? Well, he's being treated better than the other January 6th defendants. Well, but I mean, look, that a lot of Trump's filings, he's just throwing shit, shit at the at wall. wall. Yeah. Uh, and, and in my opinion, those, a lot of people are getting worked up on his demands for discovery I think people are getting way too worked up over them. They are some of them not surprising to see. We see the same kind of demands for discovery from other January 6th defendants who are conspiracy theorists. Um, Those are dismissed because they are not relevant to his case by and large. There's one or two that present interesting issues. uh, But, but basically, I mean, the, the hilarious one, Trump is asking for the 2016 ICA the report that basically said Russia wanted Donald Trump to be elected. And his reasoning is ridiculous. And everyone's like, wow, this is an interesting case. I'm like, no, it's not. Because what it fundamentally comes down to is uh, Donald Trump wants you to believe that uh, any claims of fraud that could be substantiated support his case. What is the case on the contrary, is that he is charged with making specific lies. Mm-hmm. He is charged, and in fact, we um, there's a filing, I haven't written it up, but there's a filing, the, the Ruby Freeman lawsuit is going to trial, which is in this case just for damages against Rudy Giuliani, but um, we're beginning to see discovery in that. So we're seeing like the emails that show uh, Rudy approving um, campaign, Rudy approving an ad defaming Ruby Freeman. Wow. Um, and again, this is this is going to help. This is going to help prosecutors prove that these actions were not at all part of the government because mm-hmm. it's people like Jason Miller on the phone. Um, but uh, yeah, but but yeah, we're seeing this lie right we're si- trump told a lie trump told a lie and said ruby freeman added votes mm-hmm. and so the fact that russia tried to tell people that hillary clinton was mean in 2016 does not prove that trump didn't honestly believe ruby freeman added votes mm-hmm. trump needs to come up with some way of proving that he really believed that ruby freeman added votes even though he had no evidence for it right you know right. so it's stuff like that it's the call to Raffensperger where he asks for the specific 11,000 votes. Um, there's nothing that Russia did in 2016 that helps you make an argument that that wasn't criminal intent. There, right. you know, it's just not there. But okay, but a question raised by what you just said. If it were um, a official government business where the government went after this private citizen, Ruby, Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Shea Moss, um, that somehow makes it okay? Yeah, I mean, there are problems with the decision. The other problem with the decision is Donald Trump's White House was serially and routinely found in violation of the Hatch Act. Yeah. And if you're going to determine whether something gives you immunity as president based on whether taxpayers pay for it, of course, Donald Trump in a second term is going to have taxpayers pay for everything because guess what? Presidents can't be prosecuted as sitting presidents. So... You know, it, it gives you a catch twenty two. I, you know, I think that the D.C. Circuit thought that they had a really neat response here, and I'm not convinced it's as neat as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, but there we are. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it doesn't give a, an average citizen here much um, confidence that that good will win out because uh, we're seeing what what this guy's getting away with. Um, all right. There's so many different ways we can go. Since we last spoke, I believe um, Hunter Biden called the bluff of the um, of James Comer, who's been saying for the longest time that he is the House Oversight Committee, that he wants Hunter Biden to testify 
And finally, Hunter Biden said, sure, um, let's have a public hearing and I will be happy to sit and testify. And all of a sudden now Comer and his committee are saying thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. And, we, you know, it's too early. It, it's hilarious. Like Comer looks ridiculous. Well, <laughs> there's that. Right. I mean, I so for the moment, we're all having fun making fun of James Comer because he literally uh, went on Newsmax, on Benny, the propagandist show, you know, and and all the time he's like, uh, he can come before us privately or publicly. He can choose, you know, and then when push comes to shove, uh, Comer's like, no, no, it's got to be private. And when asked, he's like, well, it's got to be private because I'm scared to death. I'm extrapolating <laughs> right. here. I'm right. scared to death of Jamie Raskin and Dan Goldman and um, and Moskowitz. Right. And uh, and it's like, yeah, that's true. Like, you know, you can't have a public hearing because they'll destroy you. And not just them. I had an exchange with Jasmine Crockett and I said, you know, he's trying to hide the fact that you're the one who really embarrassed him, you know, but, um, but, you know, ultimately the, the subpoena is for him to appear on December 13th. And ultimately if he doesn't appear, um, the, the uh, Republicans are going to refer him for obstruction. And I mean, for, for contempt, just uh-huh. what right. Bannon did. And I promise you, because, uh, you know, this is my biggest gripe with Merrick Garland, Merrick Garland will immediately refer it to David Weiss and David Weiss will charge him for contempt because um, that's that's and and, you know, I, David I Weiss suspect- is the is special counsel allegedly uh, investigating Hunter Hunter Biden or not oh, allegedly who is investigating. investigating. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And- I mean, you have a private citizen with a special counsel appointed just for him for reasons that don't make a lot of sense. And, uh, and Merrick Garland would defer decision in this case to David Weiss, even though, I mean, you know, like I would not be surprised to see uh, Abby Lowell do something of interest before that day. Like Mm -hmm. um, people have tried to sue to get out of a subpoena. Um, The most success I thought that, I thought that Hunter Biden had a really good case, um, but one of the January 6th lawyers convinced me that, no, like there there really is no precedent. There's nothing you can do if you get a subpoena from Congress to say it's invalid. I would not be surprised if Hunter Biden tries to make that case anyway, because, you know, uh, Hunter Biden was offering to cooperate voluntarily going back to February. Hunter Biden has caught uh, various members of Congress, including all the three chairmen, uh, with lying and in fact fabricating things. And so this raises the import of being able to vindicate the truth, especially since, you know, he's he at least claimed he was willing to come and testify, even though he is still under criminal uh, criminal investigation, which is insane to begin with. Like you don't do that as a criminal defendant. You 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 defer, you go and you invoke the Fifth Amendment all Mm -hmm. the time. He claims he's going to go testify. Um, but only and, if it's a public hearing, because he doesn't want them to be able to come out and say this to misrepresent what Hunter Biden may have said. If it were a public hearing, we'd all right. get to hear it. Right. Because then they can claim he said anything. That's and right. they've already been. I mean, so, uh, you know, we don't know how it's going to come out. I, I caution people that ultimately, if Hunter Biden does not show up or do or in some way, delay that subpoena uh, on December 13th, he will be referred for contempt and Merrick Garland will give it to David Weiss and David Weiss will charge him with contempt because, um, because that's how it'll go. So something else may happen to disrupt that. But, uh, but for now, you know, Abby Lowell has laid the record that these people are, altering are basically fabricating things mm-hmm. that uh, he has volunteered to cooperate going back to February and that he has alerted to Mike Johnson that, you know, his, his little chairman are, are fabricating things. Now, the other thing that's going on here is um, they want to make, they want to go after Biden's, the, the classified documents that Biden returned. Right. And um, so they have asked the White House for people to testify in that. And the White House said, you can't require me to testify 
uh, until you have a vote of the entire Congress. That's an OLC decision that Donald Trump's OLC made. Right. Well, guess what? Uh, Mike Johnson just lost a vote for <laughs> yes, impeachment he did. today. Whoops. Um, so now he like now he's down to four people he can lose um, on an impeachment vote if he if he wants to hold impeachment, which. You know, uh, one of the other things that Abby Lowell has been doing is he's been kind of raising the stakes for those members who are uncomfortable with this moving forward with not a shred of public evidence. So we'll see. It's going to be an interesting two weeks. Happy Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Well, this time of the year, I mean, first of all, we've got all, all kinds of other stuff going on. And I don't know how many days Congress has left in session before they uh, break for the holidays. I can't be that many. But when they come back, we're looking at another at a government shutdown, which uh, Mike Johnson will probably allow to happen because otherwise, or regardless, he'll probably get booted out from his job, too, because you can't please this Republican caucus. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, eventually, particularly uh, losing Santos is actually a big deal because mm-hmm. they just don't. I mean, and I think that that's why the leadership ultimately uh, voted not to expel him, not because they wanted to keep him, but because uh, they need that vote. Right. Um, right. You know, that oh, that makes their exactly edge what. that much closer. And they've, they've I, you know, may you live in interesting times. I don't know what's going to happen. I know that, uh, I know that um, Mike Johnson has not yet succeeded in getting Republicans to do anything except sniff more dick pics. Right. Um, that's the only thing that they are good at. It's amazing. Um, it is amazing. Uh, you have another piece up today at EmptyWheel.net. Hunter Biden gets a step closer to vindicating Twitter's takedown decision. Um, you want to you, you explain what this is? Yeah, um, sure. So yesterday, uh, Jordan, in addition to sniffing dick pics, sniffed more dick pics. He invited Maddie Dick Picks and um, Michael Schellenberger, the two Twitter files guys, back yep. for I don't know why. And um, Dan Goldman got into it with Schellenberger saying, you know, you claim that the big risk of the Twitter files is election interference because the lap because they didn't Twitter took down that one story about the, the, the so-called laptop. He's like, you know, it's not the laptop. And Schellenberger's says under oath in Congress, oh, the content is the same. And now anybody who's looked at this half closely knows the content is not exactly the same, knows that there are, for example, files that were created on Rudy Giuliani's disk that then were traded off to, you know, um, Congress may have one without Rudy Giuliani's fabrications, but but the New York Post does not. Like Mm -hmm. they have what the New York Post has. So there's that conflict going on in Congress. Outside of Congress, um, this activist, um, uh, she goes by Anarchy Princess, and she loves to go and taunt all of these Jan Sixers and especially George Santos. And so in the process of taunting George Santos, she was taunting this guy, Vish Burra, who is now, well, as of an hour ago, uh, he was Vish Burra's... uh, director of operations until a few years ago, he was Steve Bannon's producer for his podcast. So in 2020, when Rudy Giuliani got this disc drive, got this drive from the blind computer repairman. um, And he said, Steve Bannon, we've got, we've got the October surprise. Um, They had this guy, Vishpura deal with it because he used to work on computers and, um, and he has bragged about this before. He has said, I'm the one who extracted the content of the, the Hunter Biden laptop. When Hunter Biden sued Rudy Giuliani and his attorney, Robert Costello, he said, you know, Vish Burra has said, I extracted this. I created a I created a nuclear bomb of October surprise. Well, so yesterday, Anarchy Princess is out there taunting Vish Burra and says, you know, you're the one who hacked Hunter Biden's phone, right? Did you do that? And he looks right in the camera. He said, yeah, and I do it again. Uh-huh. So inside Congress, you've got you've got Michael Schellenberger saying, no, nothing happened. Outside Congress, you've got Rudy's guy. You've got Steve Bannon's guy saying, yeah, I did hack it. Um, and ultimately, and I showed this, I mean, again, those of us who follow this closely know this, but 
I showed that there was an email sent and I don't know the technical details of it, but it was either sent. It, it shows up on the laptop as having been sent on September 1st, 2020. Okay. Um, and it's unclear to me whether that involved Hunter Biden's iCloud account, whether it involved his Gmail account, whether it did involve either, but it on the laptop. And so every laptop, every, every disc, every drive, that is downstream from Rudy Giuliani's has that file on it showing that it was created new. It's, it's a resending of an email from um, Hunter Biden to Vadim Pazarsky. Uh, everyone has that file that was created when, if everyone's telling the truth and they're not telling the entire truth, but if you believe they're telling the truth, that disc, that drive was in Rudy Giuliani's custody. And so that, file was created in Rudy Giuliani's custody and and the the technical aspects of how it was created do get you quickly into questions of you know did they access Hunter Biden's Gmail account did they access mm-hmm. his iCloud account what did they do to send an email and it's not that's not the only email but that email right September 1 2020 that email is upstream of New York Post getting the getting the drive so that email if if the if, as Hunter Biden claims, the drive that Rudy Giuliani had in his possession was invo- like was used to hack his data. Mm-hmm. Let's say if it was used to access his iCloud account, that's a hypothetical, right? I'm not the technical person. Um, then Twitter's decision to take down the New York Post story would have been entirely vindicated. Because, in fact, it would have meant that New York Post had hacked materials in their possession. Right. That simple. Right. Um, and, and, and I see that, you know, the um, the propagandists on the right, you, you, you embedded a tweet uh, that showed a clip of Dan Goldman talking about all the, the problems with the laptop story and the House Judiciary Republicans um, wrote, wow, at rep Dan Goldman still doesn't believe that the Hunter Biden laptop is real. How embarrassing. And then this woman you mentioned um, goes on. This is the farcical narrative that the White House, the Democratic Party, Hunter Biden and his pricey lawyers are trying to defend. There's so much bullshit being thrown against the wall to see what sticks. It, 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 I don't know. How, I, you know, again, I marvel at you keeping it all straight because there's so I much. Just, I mean, I honestly wish I didn't have to because I like, I, you know, I fell down this rabbit hole because uh, when I read the IRS disgruntled agents description of the laptop of what they knew about the laptop, I realized that anybody who had access Hunter Biden's phone. Uh, which was stored on the laptop, but encrypted fashion. And mm-hmm. I don't know whether Vishpura did that, that like there's reason to believe he may have, but I, I can't claim that. I, you know, uh, Garrett Ziegler downstream of there claims unabashedly that he succeeded in accessing that phone. And so that's why he was the first person. I was like, once you do that, then you have basically broken encryption to access something on a file that doesn't belong to you. Um, and so that's how I f- fell into this rabbit hole. And it's actually so easy to debunk people like M- Michael Schellenberger because, yes, in fact, I can point to files that we know were created on September 1, 2020, and therefore that we know were upstream of the New York Post, and therefore that we know vindicate Twitter's decision to, to take down that story. Um, but there's so much propaganda to fund this, to push this on the right that um, you know, you're swimming upstream to to push back at people who are making these ridiculous claims. Right. You know, I, I um, also I need to point out that, you know, I oftentimes and it's probably good practice to usually avoid the comments on articles, be it at a newspaper or wherever things are posted. But at EmptyWheel.net, you have some pretty um intelligent and and thoughtful commenters who point out things um, they have interesting conversations among themselves that I, that I often glean good information from. I, I like this one who Kay Lynn said, um, in comment to, um, someone else's comment wrote, right. I read that and my eyebrows went up and allowed, damn Marcy, you're amazing bellowed, because <laughs> they're finding things that you're pointing out that no one else is. 
Yeah. Um, yes. My, our commenters are really great. People sometimes complain about the heavy handedness of our moderators who, you know, are not like some super paid set of interns. They've mm-hmm. been around and they do it as a labor of love, but um, you know, we've had that comment section going since 2004, really. Some of these people have been around since 2004 and, um, and they're brilliant. Yes. Our commenters are really brilliant, many of them. So I'm very grateful to them. I, you know, I, I'm tired of telling the Hunter Biden story, but uh, until, until we get through it, somebody has to. Exactly. And, and I don't see other people doing it. And there's a whole bunch of parts of this story. I mean, eventually like, uh, and I was going to do it this morning and then when, you know, then I have to write about the DC circuit. Um, you know, I, I want to tell the story eventually about how there are three phases to the Hunter Biden laptop and what we don't talk about or what doesn't get talked about is that um, whoever did it, it got packaged up. All of this got packaged up in February of 2019 after, by the way, after Rudy Giuliani was out searching for things like a laptop, it gets packaged up. Um, it's hard to prove that it wasn't Hunter Biden because guess what? Hunter Biden was in the worst part of his addiction at that point. Mm-hmm. So you can't look at, certainly I can't look anything accessible to me and say, oh, you know, this clearly wasn't Hunter Biden because it's erratic. And what do addicted people do? They do erratic, erratic things. But right. um, with subpoena power, I think it is possible to make a very strong argument that this was all packaged up and packaged up in a way so that when somebody else got the laptop in, say, September 2020, uh, when we when when if everyone's telling the truth, when Rudy Giuliani got it, um, then it was very easy for somebody like Vish Burr to go in and access further areas. It wasn't just the, the, the data on the computer. Right. Mm-hmm. It was it would be easy if you have that laptop, that disk drive. Right. It would be easy to get into Hunter Biden's iCloud account. It would be easy to get into Hunter Biden's Gmail account. It would be easy to get into his bank account. It would be easy to get into his phone. Not easy to get into his phone, but um, it would be possible to get into his phone. And if you do those things, you are accessing cloud data without authorization. Mm -hmm. And so it really isn't, you know, like this notion of, um, Republicans want to say it's all the same data. And it is true that there was a lot of data uh, that the FBI also found in his iCloud accounts when they when they went to them in 2020. But that is a different argument from saying all of his emails going back, you know, 15 years happened to be packaged up in one box that happened to be delivered to Rudy Giuliani. Right. 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 Sure. Yeah. Um, and, now, and I'm glad you're telling the story because, frankly, uh, many of the, the, the news sources I follow ignored it because it, it, it first of all, Hunter Biden is a private citizen, never worked in his father's administration, had nothing to do with it. The whole thing is so convoluted. And to me, as a just a innocent uh, observer, uh, it appeared to me, uh, okay, this is their latest distraction move. They don't want to talk about Trump th- who who provoked this, instigated this insurrection or anything else of his crimes. So, you know, go after Hunter Biden. There's your straw man. Um, so by ignoring it, though, we're basically letting the, the other side, and I hate that I'm putting it in these terms, but run roughshod with the, with their own version of what's what it is. So thank you for pointing out what's actually what actually is the case about this. Not so much laptop, but hard drive. And the reason it matters is because anybody inside a Fox bubble actually I mean, it doesn't matter how smart they started when they went into that Fox bubble. They have been bombarded by these claims nonstop for three years. Yep. Bombarded. Absolutely bombarded. The reason Ron DeSantis is presidential campaign failed is because Hunter Biden was getting twice the coverage on Fox that, I mean, I'm making up that twice, right. number, but Hunter Biden got a lot more coverage on Fox than Ron DeSantis did, even though Murdoch allegedly wanted somebody besides Trump. It was, you know, it's the Hunter Biden network. And so no matter how smart these people think they are, they've been bombarded by three years of propaganda about it. And that leads them to think about Joe Biden in ways that are completely unsubstantiated. And that's before you add in the fact that there's a 
great likelihood that parts of this, parts of both the criminal investigation into Hunter Biden and the laptop, and they're related, they overlap, but they're mm-hmm. they're not the same. There are there's great likelihood that at least parts of both of those were part of a Russian information op, okay. uh, a, a Ukrainian, a Russian backed Ukrainian information op that Rudy Giuliani went and solicited. Right. And so uh, we should be talking about impeaching Donald Trump, <laughs> like everything we've learned about Hunter Biden should lead us to impeach Donald Trump, not not Joe Biden. But right. The evidence says, great, this is this is so damning to Donald Trump. Let's impeach him. And that's where I think we need to be by by January when Republicans think they're going to actually be holding an impeachment. Uh, holding an impeachment and and with the guy who should be impeached again, although can you I don't I don't know, but but it will likely be the Republican nominee. And then you have the the guy, the major shareholder in Home Depot saying, yeah, I'll still I'll still support and donate millions of dollars to Trump's campaign, even if he's convicted. Um that's not surprising. I mean, that those Home Depot people are really the worst of the worst. Yes, do they are. Do not spend money at Home no, Depot. No, do not. Um, um, it, um, yeah, I look, I mean, if, if, if America is going to defeat Donald Trump and, and, and sustain democracy, it's not going to happen just through court cases. It's not no. going to happen because, you know, Republican donors turn on him in large numbers there has to be an understanding of the cost of Trump coming back to power. And there has to be, um, there has to be a better depiction, not of not there. There has to be better news coverage that doesn't make Trump the center of attention, but that makes Trump's effects, the center of attention that makes, you know, like uh, when, when Jim Jordan was running for speaker, right everyone's wives got threatening phone calls. That's right. Right. Don Bacon's wife got threatening phone calls. And that was a moment where I think the press should have said what's happening to Don Bacon's wife has happened to every single person that Donald Trump has targeted going back to 2016. Right. And the fact that you said it was okay when it happened to Hillary, that you thought it was okay when it happened to, to, um, uh, Lisa Page, the fact that you thought it was okay when it happened to Marie Ivanovich, the, that, the fact that you think it's okay when it happens to Hunter Biden, um, you need to start thinking about all of those seven years of enabling that stuff because now it's happening to your wife. Right. And it'll happen to everybody's wife. It will happen to everyone's family one way or another because Donald Trump uh, doesn't care about any of them anyone. No, but for some reason, it seems like just like we saw on January 6th, where we had Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell stand up and say, Donald Trump is responsible for this. He did. And then just days later, do a complete backflip. And, you know, McCarthy flies down to to Florida to go kiss the mushroom dick at at Mar-a-Lago. And now we learn the reason he said he went is because Donald was depressed and he wasn't eating. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's making excuses and and um, ultimately the only like Trump is very effective at retaliating against people. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's it's that simple, right? Um, there there was uh, I want to say it was in the Nation. There was a there was an interesting story about what happened to uh, the woman who was a critical witness in not the current trial against Trump organization, but the tax trial last year against Trump organization that sort of arose out of a divorce dispute, but because she was losing her Trump backed condo, she was willing to go share. Right. uh, Wasn't she the ex wife uh, of one of the people who worked for him? Right. You know, and it's like, it's unclear how much of that was Trump retaliation and how much was other stuff, but it's like, this is what, like there are, thousands of these stories of of the lives that Donald Trump ruins Mm -hmm. because somebody tried to stand up to him and they all happen in silence right they all happen um there's not a public accountability of those thousands in one place and so it's easy for Don Bacon to say that 
to, to ignore them, really, to say that they don't have anything to do with him until his wife is the one getting that, that treatment. Right? right, right. So, Yeah, and, and the w- unwillingness of these people to stand up and say, you know what, this is fucked up. Yeah, now I see what's been going on because it's now happening to my wife because I dare to stand up to this bully. But they won't. They all, they all roll over and say, okay, you know, have at me again. Yeah, I mean, that's why this impeachment vote, if it's happening next week, which um, some Hill journalists were saying it's it, it could happen as early as as early as a week from today. Really? Uh, wow. Right. But and we'll see. Will seven people stand up against an impeachment vote? My guess is because Mike Johnson, Speaker Mike, who's a, you know, Christian nationalist, crazy. Yes, he is. Um, went and kissed the ring recently yep. because he's having trouble with the right flank. This is what happens. They have trouble with the right flank. They go kiss the ring. Donald Trump clears it up, tells them to, you know, tells them to to ease up on the pressure against Mike Johnson. Yep. And, um, and, and, you know, in that same report, the Donald Trump is depressed and not eating. Um, there was also the report that the reason Trump didn't help McCarthy when Gates challenged him was because uh, McCarthy was unwilling to expunge his two impeachments. I'm sure Mike Johnson just got similar asks. I'm sure Mm -hmm. I would be shocked if Mike Johnson, if the decision to call an impeachment vote next week didn't relate to Mike Johnson's visit to kiss the ring. Right. And if that's right, what Trump is doing is he's calculating that by making people go on the record for or against this impeachment vote, he can isolate Republicans he's going to take out. It'll be Don Bacon again, because he's one of the people who's, who's, who's been skeptical. And what Trump is trying to do is he's trying to force loyalty oaths again from the entire Republican Party. And these Republicans know, some of them, that it would it, it's lethal for their reelection chances. Um, and, you know, Republicans... Except for the Republicans in Georgia, I come on here every week and say the Republicans in Georgia have thus far succeeded in not in not bowing to Trump. And right. they've gotten away with it. You know, like I don't like Brian Kemp, but more power to him. Yeah, um, no, I, uh, I hear you. Brad Raffensperger, too. And, but 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 it appears people are getting angry with. It. I guess we'll wait and see what happens in the election. Um, Marcy Wheeler, there are times we can look back and say, if not for the actions of this person, history would be very different. Um, we learned the other day that Henry Kissinger had died. You didn't write about yeah. it, but right. But on, on uh, at emptywill.net, rain has a, just an open thread. And the headline is finally war criminal dead at a hundred. Um, so that happened. And yeah, it's about time. Uh, today we learned Sandra Day O'Connor has died. Um, you know, and it's interesting that I'm seeing some, uh, you know, some Arizona pra- news. Well, praises of her, even though if not for Sandra Day O'Connor, uh, George W. Bush, Al- right, would not have been president. And I just, I'm sorry, I can't forgive that. And and uh, I say good riddance to her too. We look at how history would have changed and how different things would be today if not yeah. for the actions of certain people. And if people haven't read it, they should definitely seek out Biden's statement on Kissinger's death because it is hilarious. Really? Yeah, it's it's incredibly short. Um, there's a comparison out there on Blue Sky of the statement he made for Kissinger and the statement he made for Jimmy Buffett. The Jimmy <laughs> Buffett statement is twice as long. Oh, how funny. And his statement about Kissinger basically is, I met Kissinger when I was a young senator and he was secretary of state. Mm-hmm. We disagreed. Mm-hmm. Often, mm-hmm. Uh, he yeah, always that's... spoke. He always spoke on matters of strategy and never shut up. Uh, I have My it here. Here, here's the exact I... statement. I'll never forget the first time I met Dr. Kissinger. I was a young senator, and he was Secretary of State, giving a briefing on the state of the world. Throughout our careers, we often disagreed, and often strongly. But from that first briefing, his fierce intellect and profound strategic focus was evident. Long after retiring from government, he continued to offer his views and ideas to the most important policy discussion across multiple generations. 
<laughs> Jill and I send no, our yeah, condolences to his wife, Nancy, his children, Elizabeth and David, his grandchildren and all those who loved him. It, leaving but unsaid, the, it, he didn't shut the fuck up. He didn't. Right. Yeah. Like we got in a fight 50 years ago. Uh, we never got along. He never shut up. And if you love him, my condolences, I don't. Right. And it was like, geez, you know, like I like he, Joe Biden has been nursing a grudge against. And I can imagine it like you oh, know, yeah. Harvard professor Kissinger comes in and sees this snot nosed, extremely young senator um, in 1973, 1974, who I'm sure he thinks is is a dumbass gladhander, which you know Joe Biden for much of his political career has been a dumbass gladhander, yeah. and also somebody who went you know who went to University of Delaware and Syracuse, who doesn't have any Ivy League or anything close to an Ivy League degree. So I'm sure Kissinger his entire career thought that Joe Biden was just a dumbass gladhander, right. and since they both were foreign policy experts, I'm sure that. Joe Biden really does have 50 years of stories about Henry Kissinger to tell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I did. I just pulled up the Jimmy Buffett statement. And you're right. It is. <laughs> and it's, and it's and abusive, right? Yes, yeah. very much so. Over more than 50 studio and live albums and thousands of performances to devoted parrot heads around the world. Jimmy reminded us how much the simple things in life matter. The people we love, the places we're from, the hopes we have on the horizon. And it goes on like that. <laughs> I know. Kissinger's like, if you love Kissinger, my condolences. Yeah. I did not. Right. Yeah. Good riddance. Um, you know, the one last thing that I want to talk about is uh, for those who say MSNBC is, you know, the the left's answer to Fox. Uh, no. And you know what? Drift Glass, another OG blogger, was on the show on Monday. We had a great discussion. When, whenever I talk to Drift Glass, it always seems to go back to that MSNBC has become the channel of never Trumpers. Um, and, uh, you know, if Nikki Haley somehow gets in, if Donald Trump is convicted and goes to jail and somehow Nikki Haley is the nominee and she becomes president. I have no doubt that so many of those never Trumpers who populate MSNBC uh, these days will all of a sudden be, you know, card carrying Republicans again. And now they have a home on MSNBC. Um, I've, I've, I've long respected Mehdi Hassan. I, I disagree with, um, his stance on the war. We're not going to get into that here, but he never should have been taken off the air, but MSNBC canceled him with no explanation just yesterday. Um, that I'm sorry. And they were, they were, uh, moving to silence their, their Muslim voices. Anyway, they're non white voices. They're non pro Israeli voices anyway. And you know, there, there was a moment where they were silencing four people. And so it's not surprising they shut him down. He had a very contentious interview of, of an Israeli, uh, IDF official, I think, the mm-hmm. other day, where he caught him in lies. It's like, well, that's what that's what Medi does. It's like you, you know, you guys lied about this calendar that was on the wall of the hospital, mm-hmm. uh, and why should we believe you? We shouldn't believe Hamas, no, no. but we shouldn't believe you either, right? Right, but but um, but yeah, but again, I, I'm not even going to get into what's right and what's wrong. I find that as egregious as KPFK canceling me two days before my show was supposed to start because somebody on their local station board didn't like what I was saying about the war. I shouldn't have been canceled. Neither should Mehdi Hassan. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and he's a great interviewer. I mean, yeah, that's the thing he really I, is, you know, and I think that's the thing. It's like, he's a great interviewer and he comes off as very abrasive as a result. Sure. And it's like, you know, in this time we need more of that. We don't need less because, uh, he really does cut through. Like I pointed out that, um, yesterday when the announcement came out, uh, Maddie Dickpix was testifying before Congress again. Uh, and after he testified the last time, Medi caught him in basically fabricating his, which I caught him in a lot of times, mm-hmm. but, you know, you really do need to get into Maddie Dickpick's face. And ultimately, Taibi backed down and admitted that he had fabricated some of the things, uh, you know, it, there's still tons he hasn't admitted to fabricating, which he did. But, right. Uh, and so it's for me, it was very, very telling that those two things happen on the same day. Very interesting. Just, you know, just be careful who you put your trust in because the thing just because the, or the enemy of my enemy 
is not your friend. You know, just, 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 you gotta, you gotta hold them all accountable because none of them are, I think, playing fairly. MSNBC is owned by Comcast who has uh, their own agenda. And so don't just say, oh, they're, you know, they lean left. They're the good guys. They're all full of shit. And that's why I, I so appreciate the work you do, Marcy Wheeler, because I'm you can go to emptywheel.net and you're going to get the truth, even if it might hurt your feelings. And I try to do the same. You're obviously more <laughs> informed than I am. I opine a lot. You, you give us facts and, um, I just, I just have to say how much I appreciate it. So go, um, you know, patronize emptywheel.net, support her work because she's not behind a paywall. She's not uh, charging you to read her extensive reporting. Um, but that's all the more reason you should support her work and here as well. Okay. Off my soapbox. And we're at the end <laughs> of the hour. Marcy Wheeler, as always, thank you so much. And thank you so much. Always great to be on. And for me too. Thank you.